Welcome to the Therapy Deconstructed Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Wims, therapist, coach, and a UK chartered counseling psychologist. So my mission here is to talk about therapy in a way that's easy to understand and to dispel any misunderstandings and rumors about what therapy is, who it's for, and who it's not for. This podcast is my way of deconstructing the conventional wisdom and the media narratives about therapy and explaining what's what. I will offer you the tools and support needed to live the life you've always dreamed of living. So together, we can use our resources and understanding to help you to take advantage of this beautiful thing and live a life with the most possibilities. So let's pull back this curtain and remove the mystery, the secrecy, and the stigma attached to the whole thing. Wow. So welcome back. I am so excited because this time I have a guest and I have a guest that I'm really excited to talk to. I'd like to introduce you to Owen Marcus. Owen Marcus is a coach and I believe we can find you on owenmarcus.com. But I am so excited about Owen because he's a coach that works with men. And I think that in talking about therapy and talking about working with people, oftentimes men can be left behind for a lot of different reasons. And Owen, as he's going to talk to us about, is not a therapist, but his work is so exciting and so um, groundbreaking, I feel, because it's opening men up to an aspect of talking about their emotions and connections and all of these things that maybe traditional therapies haven't really been as useful. So welcome, Owen. So nice to have you here. Would you like to give a brief bio of kind of your background and how you've come to this incredible work? Yeah, basically, I came to it because I needed it. My undergraduate degree was in psych. I looked at being a, a therapist, went another route, uh, got into um, rolfing. We've been a rolfer for 45 years, but also had done a lot of other things and ended up in Boulder uh, back in the late 70s and ended up, despite a fluke of things, training with people like Ron Kurtz, Peter Levine, and really got immersed in the somatic th- psychotherapy r- approach when it was really on the fringe. And it just planted a seed that uh, it germinated as I had my integrated medical clinic and did my rolfing practice in Scottsdale for about 20 years. But right before I left uh, Scottsdale and ended up eventually moving to North, or North Idaho, I started to get into men's groups because I realized, you know, I worked on a lot of things, done therapy, done all these trainings, but I still just wasn't succeeding in the way I wanted to in relationships. And I thought maybe working with men would help me. And I resisted that. So I thought, oh, there's probably something there. So I, I went and started my first men's group back in 1995. And it was all right, but it was enough where it got me intrigued. And to shorten the story, 19 years ago, I said, well, you know, I've done this traditional men's work. And I saw some benefit, but I think there's something more that I and men are missing. And using my background in all that I've learned in mindfulness, somatic psychotherapies, the rolfing, the physiology of stress and trauma, all that, I crafted a new model for first men's groups, really ended up being men's work, and applied it uh, in this group in Sandpoint, the Sandpoint men's group, and asked 11 guys, they all said yes. Now, 19 years later, we've had over 400 men through this group, now several groups, uh, in this town of 8,000. And that was the 
the foundation for the business that I developed, which became every man is now evolving to something else. And what we've done is we've just been able to really connect men to their own physiology, their own body. And what I saw in my clinic was you asked most guys, and I'm certainly one of them, what do you feel emotionally? And I would, you know, either roll my eyes or you know, try to leave the room because either I couldn't answer it or didn't want to answer it because I was too scared to answer it. But inevitably, when we ask a man, what do you feel in your body? They might not immediately have an answer, but they won't leave the room. They'll work with you. And then through that sort of door of you know, what's happening in your body, we get to what's happening with your emotions. And by then, after that rapport is built, one, they can talk about it. I mean, they're aware of their emotions. And two, you know, they feel safe enough to start to speak about their emotions. And that's sort of the essence of what you know, I started working on 19 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And you talked about it a bit, but just for those out there that maybe aren't familiar, can you talk about this somatic approach a little bit? Yeah. So my first teacher was Ron Kurtz. He developed the what became the Hokomi Method. And he was uh, a student of uh, what originally started with Reich, then became uh, Lowen, Paracas. And it was using the body as a vehicle to create emotional change. And these guys were brilliant, but their approaches in some ways was a little crude. Now, Ron was a genius. He was finishing his PhD at Columbia in therapy and just said, you know, what I'm learning is just not doing it for me and went off and sort of did his own thing, which eventually became a Comey therapy. And I was fortunate to be in his first professional training. Mm -hmm. And we became good friends and I even brought him into IBM. And what Ron would do is using, you might say, somatic mindfulness. He would, you know, you would stand up and he would just come up to you in his gentle, accepting voice, ask a few questions, make a few statements. And he just blew me away. He, someone would stand up and volunteer. He'd just say a few things, maybe whisper a few things to the person. In a minute, they were sobbing. Mm. And... And sometimes it was, you know, these big, tough guys. But he, yeah, he knew how to use the body to get connected to the emotions. And I was just absolutely blown away with it. I, I couldn't understand it. I could never do it. But it planted a seed where I was doing it. And what I found is we could train men pretty easily and pretty quickly in the basics of that, how to be connected to their own experience, number one, but to use my term or our vernacular of taking a man deeper into his own experience through the body and through their somatic awareness, taking them deeper into their own somatic and emotional experience. And so that's what we train men to do. And we train therapists to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I think when I heard about this, every man and, and what you're doing, it made me think about the misunderstandings around uh we can say therapy, but just the idea of men talking about their emotions and the misunderstandings around their ability to do that, the misconceptions. And I know you, I've looked on your website and we've talked about this, that, you know, men are taught to be strong, rational, practical beings. And not to say they aren't and they can't be, but it leaves, you know, I know it's a little bit of a joke with my husband and I, I talk about my emotions and he tries to solve the problem. And so, yeah. you know, and you get frustrated because you want somebody to just hear your emotion. You want to hear, they want, you mm -hmm. want them to hear what you're talking about. 
And so can you talk a little bit about how you feel men are sort of, you know, can kind of live in that idea that there is, that they can't get in touch with their emotions and what that then makes them feel about, you know, being in a relationship or, or, you know, anywhere relationship and anywhere emotions are needed, this misconception that men shouldn't or can't connect with their emotions. Yeah, I think it's essentially, there's a lot of things happening or trying to happen at the same time. And you've named a big one is that as men, we've been trained in different ways to perform, to fix, to, you know, to solve problems. And, and we're good at it. You know, we can talk about, you know, how we were the hunters and we stock things out and, you know, you know, the genetics or the, the lineage of that. And we can talk about how society wants us to do that and how we, how we're reinforced and paid to do it and how men get credibility from being able to perform well, all that. So we're indoctrinated at a very early age to do that and to be that. And then, you know, on our own, we want to connect. You know, we learn that from all the studies around attachment theory. We need connection. Uh, so that's innate in us, even though we've been trained to be somewhat independent or maybe more than somewhat you know, more self-reliant. But so we have this natural urge. And then with our partners, we're being told, yeah, I need to feel you. And that's really what got me into this work. My girlfriend's saying, I need to feel you, Owen, and, you're, and what you're telling me, I don't feel. Mm. And I argued with it, not in an angry way, but like debated. And finally, finally, I understood what she was saying. But just because I understood it didn't mean I, I knew how to do it. And that was what launched my whole men's uh, movement or my, my involvement in the men's movement. And so we have this need, and then we have this request from all, particularly the people in our lives, certainly the women in our lives, that they want to feel us, they want this emotional connection. And we know that they deserve it. And then the other thing that we're dealing with, and this is where, you know, I don't mean it in any politically incorrect way, but we are trained to be emotional, to feel our emotions, particularly communicate our emotions more in a feminine way. And it's it's not a conspiracy. It's just that, you know, I think what happened 10,000 years ago when we left the... Um, tribe for the farm, you know, men were not involved in raising the kids like they were for thousands of years before. And particularly 200 years ago, when we left the farm for the factory, men were even further gone because they had to go to work. You know, they had to leave. And women stepped up and filled the gap. So that's a good thing. And their teachers were women. So over a couple hundred years, the, the whole emotional zeitgeist has sort of shifted to a more feminine perspective. And, it, you know, it, which is what would naturally or needed to happen. And so here we are as men going, all right, I think I want to. I feel I want to. I'm being told I should be emotional. I, I'm trying to be emotional like I'm, my mother taught me, my teachers taught me, maybe my therapists, my girlfriends. You know, all these women are teaching me to be emotional. And, and I'm speaking simplistically in, in, in a general sense for us guys what happens is we're just not getting it right. And my metaphor is that, you know, Bonnie, if you're my partner and, you know, you find this beautiful material and you and you make this beautiful dress for me and you give me this dress to wear and I feel the love and I see the beautifulness and, and the exquisiteness of the material, but I go, look, I'm not a woman. I don't wear a dress. I, you know, I just feel uncomfortable in this dress. It just doesn't fit me. And that's sort of how men feel, I think, sometimes about how they're expected to be emotional. 
And when it comes right down to it, we're way more alike than we're not alike. But there's some differences, and those differences particularly show up in relationship to being in relationship with like a female partner. And so what I've seen is that men, when men try to do it, and I did, I got really good at doing it the way that women wanted it. I mean, I literally studied studied the books on it decades ago, and it worked. Women said, oh, you're really safe, you're really nice, and all this. But my relationships would just fizzle away. And I go, I'm doing everything right. Why is it not working? And then it dawned on me, it's not working because I'm not doing it in a way that's innate for me or maybe for men. And I'm not really being emotional. I'm still performing in some Mm -hmm. way. It's not fully authentic. Uh, Even though I'm trying, and and women knew I was trying, but it just wasn't doing it for them, and it wasn't doing it for me. And what I saw with myself and hundreds, really now thousands of men, is when they find in their own way their own emotional connection and their own emotional language by working with other men and practicing with other men, it just starts to naturally embody in them because it is natural. And it just generalizes into their other relationships without much work. And women start to get that polarity that they maybe had when they first started dating this guy, and they feel this attraction. So he's he's being more masculine at the same time he's being more vulnerable, which which is what that man's always wanted. Yeah. I love something you uh, had on your site too, because it it really aligns with a lot of the work that I do with trying to help people understand that we aren't innately flawed, that what has happened to us is has taught us things. And in therapy, it's, you know, trauma and, and types of things that burrow in there. And the self-talk becomes quite uh, negative and the self-worth, self-esteem, all of that around this idea that somehow I'm flawed. And trauma, abuse, just even hard things that happen in our lives can really create that narrative. And you had something in there about, in your site about not being broken. And it just really made me pause because I thought, you know, I've been married a very long time and I, like you, I think, I'm married to a man who definitely wants to provide me with the emotional um, support and connection that I'm asking for, but at times feels completely confused and, and bewildered as to how to do it. And then the next step ends up feeling that somehow he just can't. And he's, he's maybe if it's not as strong as broken, but just a sense of, I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. And so I love this, your, your program for that also, because Do you often, um, when you begin working with somebody before they really have that awareness, or even if they have the awareness, but not the knowledge yet how to move forward, do you encounter that a lot where men feel as if they're just innately or maybe broken and not capable? Yes. uh, A few years ago, we had a a gentleman that, uh, Jim Castain's his name, that owned a a fairly significant marketing company and his specialty for his company was doing extensive studies, surveys on customers for large companies. And, you know, he'd do these surveys and interview the people and really find out what the customers were really wanting and often what the company wasn't delivering. So he volunteered to do that kind of study on our men. And he came back with a very impressive a study, and the takeaway was men do not feel they're enough. 
And I just like, when I heard that, I just got the chills from my body because I knew it was true. And now <laughs> Jim was so blown away with that study and talking to our men and, and learning about what we were doing. He's done our training. Uh, he's now finishing up a much bigger study that's going to become a book. Uh, and then he's thinking about another book. I mean, he's just like dove into this whole thing about men because he sees that, you know, that, you know, we don't think we're good enough. And there's a lot of misconceptions and sort of what you're talking about, Bonnie, that, that, uh, you guys feel trapped. And, and one of the things is we're all in silos. We don't talk to each other about this stuff, unlike women. And so one of the first things that happened when we put guys together is I thought it was the only one. Mm. And so to, to, to get back to your question, yeah, I think a lot of it is performance. I don't know your husband, but knowing me and knowing other men, it's like we want to do a good job. Men don't take things on like a relationship unless they think they can win at it. And But we get into it and we realize that we're in over our head. And then we sort of panic because we don't have, like we're trying to build a house. We don't have a set of plans. I've never really done this and I don't have all the tools. Mm. And so we run around fixing things, but never really renovating or building that house. And we feel the stress. We feel the stress from our partners and we feel the stress of the relationship itself. And, and this is you know the work I've done with couples. And, and the poor guy just feels really stuck with that and he's going around in circles. Yeah, and I, and I would think, you know, in therapy, when someone feels that they're failing, you know, it's very difficult. They can be very aware. They can know kind of what's wrong and they, but then they also feel like they're failing and there's this, there's the stuck, you know, it's like, where do we move from here? So can you talk a little bit, I don't want you to give away any trade secrets or anything, but what is it actually, what, what actually happens with these men? Do you suppose when they find that they have, you know, it's sort of like they've come through the side window into their emotions because they're coming through their body what do you suppose is, I mean, I suppose you've been told by these men, what are they experiencing? How are they, how are they explaining to you what's happening to them? Yeah, yeah I, I'll give you away all my secrets. If, <laughs> so I don't think they're secrets. I want to see guys and other people that are helping guys, you know, succeed. I think the first thing that happens is once you take it out of the emotional arena, and this is what I realized many years ago when I was rolfing guys, because I'd start out asking them an emotional question, I'd run into a wall. I'd ask the same question, but rather than put it in an emotional context, I put it in a stress context. And then I, then often I got so, because I knew the physiology of stress, and I, I would maybe explain a little sci science or physiology to sort of distract them, and maybe at least give their mind a, a frame that would allow for some emotional experience. And then I'd ask them, what's their sensation? What were they feeling in their body? What are they feeling here in their body? And after they got that report, not just with me, but with their own body, often they'd start just naturally sharing about what they're feeling emotionally. Or inevitably, if I do ask them an emotional question at that point, it's easier to answer it. One, because they have this sort of yes rapport going with me. They trust me. They trust themselves. They see that whatever they say, I'm going to accept. And you know, they're, you know, now they're probably aware of it and they're thinking less. And so this is the other thing. We ask guys questions and automatically we think about them. And my partner is a couples therapist and we do couples trainings and retreats. And what I love 
a lot of things I love about them. One of the things I love about them is, you know, we break the couples off and they do this little exercise or exercises by themselves. And we go around and I'll sit next to them and I'll go, how's it going? And inevitably, I get something like, yeah, we're back in our cycle. It's not going too well. I, and I would go, great. And I go, great. You know, well, I'm here to help you. And so I have them talk a little and and inevitably what would be happening is the guy would be doing what he always does. He tries to speak to his partner in an emotional way. And then I nicely sort of laugh. And, you know, you're doing what I've always done. And we all do as guys. You think you're being emotional. You're using emotional words. But really what you're doing, you're, you know, you're judging, you're evaluating, you're fixing, you're, you're giving, you know, solutions, suggestions, you know, the litany of things. But you're really not connecting emotionally. And that starts with because you're not connecting to yourself emotionally because you're thinking. And you're thinking because you're trying to perform because you want to get it right. Mm -hmm. And you know all the things you shouldn't do. So you're you're evaluating, you're thinking, and maybe in a bit of a freeze response or disassociated state, which furthers the disconnection from your body and your emotions. So you're doomed. And you're picking up non-verbally you know, all her physiology, because you know it, that she's not getting it. And so your stress is going up, which is, which only enhances your disassociation, your survival responses, and you try even harder, and she, you know, you know the cycle, and they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I go, okay, Joe, can I just sort of give you a demonstration and model this for you? And of course, he and she says, yes. So for about two minutes, I channeled Joe. But I channel him in an emotional way. And inevitably, she starts to cry because she knew, she knew he felt that, but she didn't feel it. Mm. She's feeling it from me. And, you know, I've only known Joe for maybe half a day, you know, just a little in relationship to other guys. But I knew him enough and I know men enough to be able to sort of channel him. And he's just like, his jaw's dropping because it's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I feel. Yeah, yeah, that's what I feel. And he's seeing that she's responding to it. And it's like, part of him's going, you mean it's that easy? Mm -hmm. And then I go, okay, I want you to do what I just did. And he does. And of course, he, you know, he's not doing it like me because he's never done it, but he's doing it. And I'm re reinforcing it and she's reinforcing it. And then I just have him practice it. But, it, you know, where I'm focusing for him is on what he's feeling in his body. Because what I tell guys is if you try to feel it, emotionally, most of the time you're going to think it because that's the neural pathway. That's what you're conditioned to do. And in some ways, that's what you were trained to do. And so just put that in the back seat. Feel your body first. So she's sitting there. What do you feel? And if it's uncomfortable, that's fine. Feel that. And then, you know, you know, maybe it's a few seconds or whatever. You know, do your little somatic meditation. Just feel it. Accept it. And from that experience of feeling it, then say something from the experience. And it might be, you know, I feel stressed or I feel scared. I feel whatever. But say something that's authentic. And even if you don't, I'd say to guys, even if you don't say it right or perfect, more often than not, she's going to respond in a positive way. Or And that might be that she just doesn't react negatively. But she's going to feel your authenticity. Even though your words might not be all that articulate, she's going to feel that you're trying to feel. Mm -hmm. And that's going to downregulate her. And you're going to pick that up. And you're going to relax a little. And then you're going to maybe say something a little more vulnerable. And over a course of time of several conversations like that, 
you're going to feel safer. You're going to get better at it. She's going to start to see that you're really working at this and there's some traction and some hope and you'll start to create a positive cycle. Yeah, I can I can really see that. And I was actually thinking when you were talking that 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 whole thinking versus feeling is something that I encounter in therapy with clients all the time. Females also, because it's it's the safe place to go, right? It's yeah, let me think about this. And the minute you do that, you're shutting off any connection to how it's feeling. You mentioned these couples working with couples, which I think is fantastic. I'd like to hear more about sort of what's what's coming up for that. And then also I'd like you to talk about because you you do groups with men, not just couples, right? Yeah. So we I started out, as I mentioned, with men's groups, and we still do men's groups in, in different ways. And we got virtual groups, we got on, you know, ongoing virtual groups, ongoing live groups. We do what we call drop-in groups where guys just drop in for an hour and no ongoing commitment. We do different kinds of trainings, virtual trainings, live trainings that involve small groups, could be as small as a triad to you know bigger groups. Uh, so one of the secrets of what we do is it's all sort of peer-to-peer. In other words, we use other men to train men. Mm. And so what happens is, and I saw this in my groups, particularly when I redesigned the model and started having my own groups uh, that were based on that model, is that guys don't need to know this stuff. All they need to do is, one, feel safe, has some set of agreements or protocols like confidentiality being the biggest. And it helps if they have a little guidance with someone that's a little more experienced, but I've seen it not happen with that, with just our set of protocols. They get in there and they mess it up, but they're messing it up as guys and they're learning. So guys get sad, they get upset and they're being real. And and like I say to these guys, you don't sleep with them and you don't work with these guys. So the only real relationship is this group. So there's a lot, there's no really secondary consequences. They can be more authentic. They got these guys like to know the rules of engagement, like with sports, war, or whatever. And they, you know, most guys will play within those rules. So once they know the rules, they see everyone else is playing in the rules and they they got some rapport, they start to really open up. And we've got guys, I remember one guy several years ago in my group, we yeah, we do like a check-in. Everyone goes around and just checks in for a few minutes or maybe sometimes the first round is like maybe 30 seconds. And the new guy was the last guy. He was this attorney and, and he was just blown away. He said, I never, not only I've never seen this, I could never imagine this was possible. And immediately he started speaking, he started crying mm. because one, he knew it was safe. Two, he knew that emotions were not shamed or actually honored. Three, he saw models of how to do that from these other guys, and he was inspired by them. And so that's the real power of these kinds of groups or trainings where there are other men there. And we do these trainings where <laughs> there's always a few guys that pick the seat next to the door, and you know, they pick that seat because you know, they didn't know if they wanted to stay. Mm-hmm. I remember a while ago, we had this big, tough guy, and, and his first thing he says when we did the check-in is, I don't like guys, I don't like men, and don't touch me. And at the end, he was hugging everyone and saying, I love you. Let me know if there's anything I can do for you. Now, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. But, you know, we all sort of knew he was a teddy bear on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what I find with most guys is they're so hungry for an environment where they can 
feel, express, get connected in these really authentic ways to other men. And so guys come to us because they, they usually have some kind of problem. You know, it's not a real serious problem like addiction or whatever, but usually it's a relational. And it's, you know, it's they're not getting traction. So they go, oh, I'll give this a try. And it varies. But we'll say within six months, they're usually on the other side of it. But they stay. Mm-hmm. They stay in the group. They stay in the community because they, you know, they want more, but they also want this connection they can't get in any other place. Yeah. The connection, you know, that whole idea about being relational and connecting. I love the thought that, you know, this group gives people the opportunity, like you were talking about the modeling of it, which is so powerful, I would assume, for that guy sitting by the door because he doesn't know. I'm sure his fight or flight is you know, firing up big time. I'm going to just duck out the minute I can because it it probably feels quite terrifying. I would assume what what is going to happen in here. You know, don't touch me. Like this whole idea of of I'm not going anywhere near that because it's scary and I feel like I'm broken or I feel like I don't know how to do that. So I love the idea that men are modeling it for men. I think you're really on to something, and it really is exciting for me. I think. I'm just really happy to hear about something like this going on because I, I think it's badly needed uh, in the world because of just the sort of unfortunate stereotypes that we have and the misunderstandings around what we're supposed to be like and what we're supposed to not be like, you know, as far as feeling our emotions and connecting to others. Anything else that you'd like to share about resources or places for people to go to hear more about you? Yeah, I mean, Bonnie, you just sort of brought out something that which sort of answers that question is that we're getting more and more referrals from therapists because these guys are coming in and they're like our best guys because one, they're committed. They're already put, you know, skin in the game in terms of time and money in the therapy, but they need a place to practice. Mm-hmm. And like, like you said, that you get to practice with these other guys. So the guys are, yeah, and this therapist is seeing that and particularly the couples therapists because they see and and again, I'm a guy, so I can say this is true. Often the guy in the relationship is the one behind the emotional learning curve or whatever. So, you know, they get a place to practice what they're learning in therapy and then maybe learning with us. And and they blossom not only with us, but, you know, in their relationship. So, yeah, one of the things that we want to be more and more f- for therapists is a resource for, you know, like a, a practice arena for therapists or for their their clients and male clients. Mm. And yeah, in terms of the couples work, uh, Dahlia, who's my partner, who's the uh, EFT couples therapist, we do these, you know, local, generally local, sometimes in or outside the country, but usually here in Northern California, a few times a year, these hold me tight couples trainings and hold me tights, what Sue Johnson developed, the founder of uh, emotional focus therapy. And yeah, we do, we're doing a retreat down in Maloa, down in Costa Rica uh, for couples for a week. And then in terms of the trainings for men, yeah, just men can check me out at owenmarcus.com and I'd be glad to talk to anyone in terms of the training, the coaching and you know anything we do. And yeah, I'd just like to leave guys with what you said that, you know, you're not bad and you're not broken. You know, it's just either the trauma you've had, major or minor, or, you know, the training that you've had on how to be a man. Yeah. You know, it's become systemic and it's almost as if it's genetic, but it's not. I mean, it's like I tell these guys, you learn to survive and you learn to be a man in this culture around that model. 
and it's seen its usefulness. And it's not that it's something wrong with you. You just learned the wrong sport for the wrong game. Uh, and, you know, you just need to learn these new skills and have a place to practice them. Yeah. Yeah. The number one thing I hear from people when the change is, you know, we're talking about the change and they say, you know, I'm just, I don't think I'm wired that way, Bonnie. And it, it always makes me smile because I know it feels that way, right? I'm sure you encounter that all the time. They feel like they're hardwired this way because they've lived their whole lives being taught this. I mean, it's subliminal and not so subliminal. You watch TV commercials, you, you know, in songs, in just mm-hmm. everywhere in our environment. So you can, you can understand why it feels like it's just my personality, but I love that you're, you're giving them the option and the chance to play with with it in a way so they can begin to see that it's it's not only good for relationships, but it's good for them. You know, I can only. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah we get, you know, a lot of guys that come in because of relationship problems. But, you know, a year later, you know, they're changing careers like this attorney became a therapist mm. because of this work. And he loves his work. He hated being an attorney. So it changes their lives sometimes. And it's and everyone benefits and certainly them. And one of the things that we've gotten good at doing is explaining the physiology of stress, which explains the emotional affect of it and the impact of culture. So for guys, particularly when, when their box of understanding expands, it creates more space, excuse me, more space for their relationship and, and for their own experience, because Part of what I've saw with men is that our belief systems or model of what it is to be a man is so small that until you give them solid explanations of something bigger or something possible backed by science, it's hard for them to, as you said, to believe they're not hardwired or whatever, that they could change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Incredible. I could really listen to you talk all day. I love this. I really do. (laughs) And I find it so hopeful and so encouraging. So I'll make sure everything's in the show notes. I'll review with you before this show goes out to make sure any resources you spoke about as far as people that you've trained under and any books or anything like that. Anything there that you want to make sure to mention? Any resources? Um, yeah, there's a lot of books I've used. I mean, I, lately I've been reading all of Stephen Porges' books, and he's the guy that developed polyvagal theory. And everything he talks about is what we do. It's sort of coincidence, and he's one of the people that we're going to have on our program, along with Peter Levine, one of my first teachers. But Stephen Porges really understands the importance of um, safety, number Mm. one, and how the physiology either takes us out of connection or or deepens connection. And again, you know, guys don't need to go all down the rabbit hole in that, but when they can understand, this is something that Stephen trains a lot of therapists will teach the therapist right from the start is to tell your clients it's the trauma. So when they froze, when they did not take action, they took action and they survived and that was a good thing. Mm -hmm. So their disassociation, their being weak or not taking action was a physiological response and and you don't need to be shamed about it. And that's a big thing for men because it's shame runs rampant for men and that that's a different kind of freeze, but it sort of freezes them. When they understand that in the ways that they don't perform or perform well is really not an emotional thing, it's a physiological thing, it just 
downregulates mm. their judgment and their fear and everything yeah. else. And they go, yeah, okay, I can get yeah. that. Stop, stop that pathway to somehow that they're, they're wrong or that they're broken. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. Okay. Well, like I said, I'm going to make sure everything's in the show notes because you've given so many rich resources and, and just rich information. And I have other questions I've, in the interest of time. Maybe I'll have you on again at some point. Yeah. Have me on again down the road. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and your husband's welcome to come to one of our trainings or talk to me or whatever. But, but yeah, we, we get a lot of guys of therapists and, and we get therapists too uh, that, that come to us because, you know, they know this stuff, but they don't have an environment like right. this. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's what makes it so unique and um, full of possibility, I think, for people who may be in the past, men primarily, who just didn't find that therapy was working for them, or if it they worked with something around therapy, but still finding they've got that extra place to go that they ha- can't seem to figure out how to do. So... And, and one of the things that happens is guys do this work, maybe they haven't done any therapy, and then they go do therapy. Particularly, guys will often go and bring their partners into couple therapy because it's not unusual for the guy to be behind the curve. Six months later, he's pushing his partner, mm. and she's going, oh, what's happening here? <laughs> I don't know if I like this. All right, I guess I like it. So you know, and then they, they're going into couples therapy. Yeah, incredible. Incredible. Yeah, and so... I think there's a great relationship between you know what we do, which is certainly not therapy; it might be therapeutic, and therapy. Uh, and I think there's a very synergistic I agree. relationship there that a lot of guys are yeah, finding. Yeah, yeah, I feel that from you, and I don't feel it any sort of adversarial. You know, this is right or wrong. It just feels like it's a fantastic resource and a fantastic, as I said, maybe it's you know sometimes you can't go in straight for the front door, and it's a window that's allows people to start thinking about things in a different way. Thank you, Owen, so much. This this time has absolutely flown by. And I like after you and I will make sure I've got all the resources in the show notes. But thanks again for uh, joining me today. All right, Bonnie, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in. I hope you've learned a thing or two that you can apply today. To explore further or to get in touch with me, just visit my website at bonniewims.com. There you can book a complimentary 30-minute online video session to ask me any questions and determine if working together feels right for you, or you can submit your questions about therapy, and I'll do my best to offer answers on an upcoming episode. Remember, therapy might not be for everyone, but it may be right for you. Mm